I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on at Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Tom Woodhead, the Yorkshire Mackenzie of the podcast, a more muscular, visceral adaptation of that bourgeois template. I'm joined by Josh Hobbs, the Hastings author of the podcast, assisting Beneluxians with little grey cells. And finally, it's the Lancashire Scot of the podcast. You can take his hosting duties, but you'll never take his cynicism, nor his iron grip on the group thing of the pod it's john mckenzie john how are you doing i resent lancashire (laughs) (laughs) we all resent lancashire john we don't all live there i am i'm a true yorkshireman i'll have you know i was born in the bradford royal infirmary no less (laughs) if that doesn't make you a yorkshireman i don't know what else does but i'm doing well how are you yeah not too bad and how about you josh how are you doing yeah i'm good mate i was very impressed with the intro you you went all in on that Listen, it's the only reason I wanted to give hosting a try is to write that intro. So, uh, so I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, there's plenty more where that came from. If this isn't a total disaster, and if it is, we can just forget it ever happened. <laughs> okay, so in terms of Leeds news, there's a couple of bits to go through before we get stuck into the main podcast. Uh, the big one, I suppose, is that we've got Junior Firpo, the Dominican left back. Uh, is looking likely to join us soon from Barcelona. And I know you guys uh, recorded a long conversation about this for the Patreon, uh, but have you got any brief thoughts here? Yeah, I think um, it would be a good signing. Uh, I think it's smart, as we've talked about on our on our Patreon episode, that um, trying to pick up a player that has gone to a, a very high-level team, uh, maybe one of the, the most elite teams you can possibly go to and it hasn't quite worked out but I think there's value uh, there in the sense that um, they're cutting their losses on him and he could still be an excellent player for us Um, we discussed that it's an element of risk in that uh, because he's not played for a few seasons and it it might not go so well for us Um, but um, I think this is what we have to do uh, in in making smart transfers. We will have to take some calculated risks and trust that uh, we're the club that can nurture him to his like full potential. Yeah, I'd agree with Josh on this. It's it's the case that I think for the level that we're at, 
we're only going to be able to make these sorts of signings that are going to change us drastically for, for cheap money if we do take risks. And I think the risk that we'll probably see happening here is obviously um, Junior has had a couple of seasons of disappointment at Barcelona after a really good season at Betis. And I, uh, we're taking a gamble that Bielsa can can really get the best out of him, which I don't think is necessarily a huge gamble in many respects. So that that's the risk. It will be interesting to see what the financial side of the deal looks like because there were other teams that were interested in him. Um, but I think most of those teams were big European teams who would only have taken him if they could get him as a buy-to-loan option. Um, so I suspect that we probably won't be taking him as a loan to buy. I think we'll probably be dropping the money on him from the off. So there's a little bit of risk there as well. But um, yeah, as Josh, Josh has said, he's, he's um, I think he's, he's going to be an exciting prospect going forward. Um, I think he'll certainly be a, an improvement on Alioski in that respect. The big question for me is what he's going to look like in the build-up because I think the issues we've had with Alioski haven't necessarily been defensively this season. It's been more his inability to help us in the build-up phase um, has has cost us possession in, in areas where you wouldn't necessarily expect to lose possession. And so if he can keep the ball uh, for, for for those um, transitional phases from the back to the front, then we'll be in a situation where we're actually um, defending less and attacking more, which I think overall is a good thing. But yeah, an exciting one. I think an interesting one to see how it unfolds. Um, so there is an element of risk there, but um, we've seen that with across Bielsa's um, time at Leeds let's not forget that uh, we saw Ronaldo Vieira just before the beginning of his first season and none of us expected Calvin Phillips to turn into the player that he's turned into so um, it'll be interesting to see how this all pans out and this is the position that we really want filling as early as possible right? yeah. so it's good to, that it looks like this one's going to get done pretty much for the start of pre-season I did notice that the uh, so he plays internationally for Spain I did notice the Spanish under 23s the Olympics has been dropped but oh. I'm I'm guessing that he isn't in that squad I don't know if you've seen that Josh He's 24 now so So he's too old They're allowed a couple of players over the age and I think Cunha's going to it for Brazil and that's been made into a big thing of like any time that he's been linked with us like people have been like oh, he's going to the Olympics Bielsa wouldn't be happy about that so I think I think we'd hear about it if Junior was the same. Yeah, I've just had a look at the squad now and he's not in it, so that won't be an issue. Considering Bielsa won the Olympics, it seems I don't think Bielsa would be churlish about a, a player going there. I think he's specifically said Melier can't. But oh, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he likes the Olympics when he's a manager of a team in the Olympics, but when he's a manager in, of a club, it's like, no, you can't go and play there. We've, we've got to do murder ball. <laughs> it's funny how that works, isn't it? And uh, one other little uh, smaller bit of information, um, Amari Miller, uh, who I believe is a winger, has signed from Birmingham City, uh, presumably to play in the under-23s to start with. It feels like wing on, the wings are sort of an area of the under-23s that were a little bit light in. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, I would say so. I think um, Crescencio uh, Somerville uh, did really, really well uh, last season after a bit of a slow start. But on the other side, it was... It wasn't quite like there. There didn't really seem to be an actual settled player on on the other side. Like sometimes Paveda would play there. Uh, sometimes Max Dean played there, and he's a striker. Uh, so yeah, I think I think it'd be good to to see a a winger in there. And I can't say that I've managed to get into Miller yet, but I, I look forward to to watching some clips of him. And I think he was already playing. Uh, a little bit in the Birmingham first team at the end of last season. So he's highly rated. 
yeah, again, I've not watched watched him, but I, as you say, Josh, he has come through into the Birmingham first team, so no doubt he'll be a, on a similar trajectory to to the Gelhots and the Greenwoods of of the world. So it'd be nice to see him in the twenty threes next season. And I guess it's, now is a good time to announce that we will be hopefully having a monthly under twenty threes um, podcast episode going out on our Patreon channel as well. So if that sounds interesting to you, do check that out. First things first, um, I thought I'd start with a little bit of a chat about the Euros game last night. John, as a proud Scot, you don't have to be involved in this one. But um, Hobbsy, I saw some of your pre-match takes on Southgate's team when it came out and uh, the likelihood of it being quite a negative approach. And I just wondered, in the light of how the game actually played out and given that England did get the win, do you feel the same? Or do you feel like maybe it was an overly pessimistic take? I mean, obviously... He's been vindicated by the result, um, and it, it. There were. I think we were good. Um, we were good, but I, it's just you know we're we're obviously we're used to watching brave football take it to the opposition as much as possible. Obviously, you know we discussed as the season went on, did Leeds drop back a little bit, start sort of respecting oppositions a little bit more. But South, that's like Southgate's um, like stock thing is like mainly how do we keep it tight and stop the opponent and uh it's just it just seems a bit alien to me to think of having Grealish Foden Sancho in in your squad and and not having them in your 11 that's just kind of remarkable to me but um I did still enjoy the game and I'm I'm loving seeing Calvin Phillips um just tear it up really I I've I've been very proud of him were you proud of him when he got that yellow card that was that was vintage, uh, vintage Calvin <laughs> challenge. I think I enjoyed that tackle that he did on touchline, where he won the ball really cleanly, but just completely smashed the guy as well. That that I really enjoyed that. I thought that the yellow was one of those where um, I think it's right that it was a yellow, but you could see that being a red card. I saw quite a few um, Wales fans saying that Ampadu got a red for exactly the same <laughs> yeah. thing. But it wasn't because Ampadu didn't get anywhere near the ball and did that, whereas Phillips did actually get the ball. But then obviously he sort of followed into his leg, which, you know, we saw Liam Cooper get sent off for that. Later on in the evening, uh, Danielson got sent off for, for doing that into someone's knee. So It's just that it's the movement of the moment, uh, these, these follow-throughs, everyone's at it. Right. This isn't an England podcast anyway, so <laughs> let's get on with the main event. So today we're going to take a, another hypothetical. We're on a kind of hypothetical journey through time and space in the off-season. What we've decided to do this week is discuss... Uh, John and Josh have been asked to come up with an 11 uh, of, of players who've pl- appeared at the Euros to play in Leeds United's system. And uh, not just to play in Leeds United's system, but to directly replace the players in the system. So, for example, at right back, we'll be looking for a player with similar attributes to Luke Ayling and so on. As previously mentioned, it didn't really make sense for anyone other than these two to do this pod because none of us have as much football knowledge as we'd like to pretend. So these guys actually do know what they're talking about in the wider world of football and not just the world of Leeds United. So to start us off, let's just address a brief elephant in the room. The rules for this are you're not allowed to pick any current Leeds United players. If you were allowed to pick current Leeds United players who'd appeared at the Euros, so for example, Calvin Phillips or Mateus Click, would any of them have made the team? John? I think you'd be hard-pressed not to pick Phillips and Click. Um, Phillips on the basis of the fact that he's played 
in a position which has really suited him and it's it's looked great um, in terms of the, the performances that he's had so far. And I think Click in terms of, as we'll probably go on to chat about, the fact that it's really he plays a really unique position and and so trying to pick players who might suit that position is actually way trickier than than you might think although i suppose we have spent most of this season talking about how rodrigo maybe doesn't fit that position as well as we might like so i think i'd probably go with um i'd probably go with click and phillips although i do think that the player that i've got in um the defensive midfield role is probably the player in world football most similar to calvin phillips in a lot of respects yes i'm pretty hard to disagree uh, with that, although I think uh, I, I I love Click, um, but I think there are players in this tournament that can do exactly what he is doing and better. Whereas maybe Phillips might be that you wouldn't say that about Phillips. Perhaps I think those are the two. Yeah, it seems like with Click, maybe it's more with Click. It's more um, a case of there's probably a lot of players who can do it, but it's hard to know which players they'll be until you give them a run in that position, right? Yeah, yes, that's true. I think there there are some that. Like there's actually someone who I haven't picked, um, but there is someone who I, I who would be my like ideal player for that that role. But I'll I'll talk about him in a minute. But I didn't pick him because I didn't want to pick too many players from the same team. <laughs> okay, then uh, let's get started and crack on, uh, which both mean the same thing. Uh, we'll start with the goalkeepers, John. Which goalkeeper have you picked for your team? Yeah, so with a caveat that I don't have a clue what I'm talking about when it comes to goalkeepers and the other caveat that actually of of the positions that we're going to talk about, I think goalkeeper is one of the toughest to sort of pick from because um, it feels as though most goalkeepers, I try to go for sort of fun picks usually, um, but I think most goalkeepers tend to be fairly well established in their in their club. So it's sort of hard to pick a um, a, a player out of, out of that lot. And um, I guess my methodology was was thinking a player who plays in a, a fairly um, heavy build up side. Um, I potentially was thinking of maybe going for um, Donnarumma. Uh, the Italian keeper, but that feels a little bit like cheating. and Maybe he's just a, a bit too elite for, for for this level. So I've gone with Unai Simone, um, who um, who's the the Spanish goalkeeper, plays for Athletic Club in Bilbao. So there's that um, that nice link to Bielsa as well. Uh, but I, yeah, I had a look at his a bit of his passing statistics, and they're not necessarily the greatest. But obviously, playing for Spain, Spain are doing a huge amount of uh, of deep build up. So, um, on that basis, I think he would probably be fine in our system. And looking at one of the goals he conceded the other night, he'd be a good replacement <laughs> for Kiko, right? That's right. Yeah, uh, a little bit unlucky to to have the ball boomed at him by Pedri, and uh, yeah, took his eye off it a little bit and uh, let it slip under his foot, which is embarrassing. But you know, we we all love a keeper who makes really bad mistakes, right? We've got such an, a long tradition of keepers like that at Leeds United so I'm sure he would fit right in. What about you Josh who have you gone for? I'm going close to home for this one because I've I've gone Jordan Pickford actually. I, <laughs> there's something about him where I, I think he's pretty bad for Everton but when he plays for England I, th- I think he he looks a lot better. Um, uh, one of the main reasons was for his distribution of uh, kicking it long actually. I think he he can really spray the ball around and I, I like the idea of him uh, hitting Rafinha or Harrison if he was actually playing for Leeds, not not this uh, this team that I've created. But uh, I think he would do that really well and he, his shot stopping has been really good uh, in, in the tournament. Uh, we know that he sort of has a bit of a reputation of being bad at conceding long shots, but he hasn't struggled at all in this tournament. I've got a vision of Hobbsy just picking the full England 11 here. 
Now, funnily enough, right back, Kyle Walker. No, it's not. It's not. Pickford uh, strikes me as a keeper, Josh, who, as you say, has very good long distribution, but something of an oddity in a modern game in that he's, he seems quite nervous when he's asked to play it short. Do you think that might be a problem? He definitely wouldn't be as good as Simon, but um, I, th- I think he wouldn't be bad at that. And and I think if you think of Melier, some of his errors this season actually came in his his more short delivery. So uh, I, I think he'll be all right. This isn't a Darren podcast, so we don't have to spend too long on the goalkeeper. <laughs> um, right, let's, let's go to the fullbacks. So what I'll do is I'll ask... Uh, John can give me his left back and his right back, and then we'll do the same for you, Josh. So, John, who have you gone for? Uh, I don't want to gazump Hobbsy here, but I've gone for both of the Atalanta uh, fullbacks. Um, so, I've gone with Joachim Mela and Robin Goosens. Um, they could play on either side. Um, obviously, Mela has played mainly on the left this tournament, but he plays on the right, I think, for Atalanta. Uh, Goosens, obviously, a, a more of a left sided player and plays in a wing back position as well. Obviously, Hobbsy made a point before that, you know, if you go down the route of picking players who are going to work in a lead system, you're going to come across a lot of Atalanta players. Um, I've got, I think, another Atalanta player, but that's it. Um, but Can you clarify why that is, John? So, yeah, so Atalanta um, play under um, Jasperini play in a pretty pretty tight man-marking system. It's not. I don't think it's quite as extensive as Leeds' man-marking system, but again, it's another fairly high-pressing system as well. And um, yeah, both of these uh, players like to get forward and um, would be pretty smart picking up the, the, the marking system, the out-of-possession pos- out stuff pretty quickly, I think. Okay, dokie. And uh, Josh, who have you gone for for your full-backs? I have gone for, for Mailer. Uh, I've put him at right-back Uh he, yeah, as as John was saying, he has been mostly playing on the left for Denmark. But uh, I, I like him as a threat in the box, which I think is something that, um, though Ailing's not been a big, big goal threat for Leeds, he, he constantly gets into the box. And uh, I think that would be great to have with, with Mela. Uh, my left back, uh, I've gone for Andy Robertson, actually, uh, of Scotland, just in case you didn't know that. Um <laughs> But he, um, he, I think, was really impressive uh, for Scotland, uh, just raiding forwards all the time. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, th- I think he, he didn't score, but he got a lot of shots. And that, that reminds me of Alioski, fullbacks that take a lot of shots. Would there possibly be an argument that Kieran Tierney would be an even better option for Leeds because he could also play in the back three? I did think about it, but I, I went for Robertson because... Tierney hadn't actually played left back at, at any point in the tournament. Although maybe I've stretched that with uh, with Mailer. The position of fullback is quite interesting, I think, in this tournament, given that it's it's really been a tournament where you know wing backs, fullbacks have been quite important. Um, I think it's it's an easy way of of getting some kind of attacking uh, momentum by playing uh, players wide and then having a fairly narrow forward um, uh, setup. I, I guess another uh, player who. I suppose we could have considered his Spinazzola, the uh, the Italy left back. But I didn't go for him because he's a right-footed left back, and um, I didn't think that would really work with our system. But he's a player who, again, likes to get forward and is uh, exciting to watch. But we've we've seen we've had a really an embarrassment of riches to pick from. I think in the in the fullback position from this tournament. I thought about Spinazzola as an almost um, Dallas. Uh dallas-like player although he doesn't necessarily actually invert even though he's right-footed he actually plays wide and goes down the line a lot and he's not afraid to cross with his left foot but um 
yeah, I decided against it, but I, he, I, I really thought about him. I had him in my first draft, actually. That feels maybe a little bit more like Dallas in the championship um, when he yeah. was probably yeah. going outside a bit more from left back because the the plays he was up against weren't of quite of uh, such a high quality, so he was still capable of beating a man to an extent. Yeah. Okay, we'll go for uh, Hobbsy first with the centre-backs, uh, just to mix it up a bit. So, which two centre-backs have you chosen? Uh, most importantly, uh, for uh, for Darren's sake, uh, I've gone for John Stones. Hey. <laughs> uh, right right centre-back, Darren's favourite. Uh, I My uh, reasoning behind that is because I still believe that Ben White is the sort of optimum right-sided centre-back in, in this system that, that leads play, uh, although... Uh, Koch and uh, Urente have done it well. I think Ben White is, is the best uh, for that. And Stones, I think, is a very similar player. Uh, I would have had Ben White in if only uh, we didn't make the rule that the player had to have actually played. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, John Stones in there, carrying it forwards. Um, and then I found the left centre-back quite hard uh, to, to pick because I was trying to think, who's like... Cooper or like Strauch and I was thinking that this player needs to be a little bit more of a physical defender but still can play it forwards well I went for De Vrij uh, of the Netherlands which he might be not so good on the ball um, but I didn't want to put in like Daley Blint or someone like that who's really a passer more than anything else because I thought this player needs to be a, a bit more of a physical defender yeah, I feel as though I've maybe cheated a little bit on this one um, in the left-sided centre-back position. But interestingly, I have got John Stones crossed out on my sheet because I initially went for him. <laughs> but I felt as though that, given that the, the left-sided centre-back that I've gone for is Imeric Laporte, I felt as though it would be cheating to just go Laporte and Stones um, in those in those two centre-back positions. So I've, I've actually gone for a bit of a rogue option in the right-sided centre-back um, position because I've gone with Manuel Akanji of Switzerland and the Borussia Dortmund. Now a lot of people think that Manuel Akanji is a bit whack uh, and I wouldn't necessarily disagree with them. Uh, but then I think Urente is a bit whack as well, so um, I, I don't have any problem bringing him in. So, <laughs> so you're really trying to find a, a direct analogue for Urente then? <laughs> this is totally on brand. <laughs> I'm Rick Laporte obviously has the best, I think, progressive passing numbers um, in, in the tournament so far, which is why I, I brought him in. I, I agree with Hobbsy that... Um, I don't think stylistically Heinrich Laporte and, and Cooper are particularly similar. Um, but in terms of the progressive passing, Cooper's obviously a very good progressive passer as well. Um, so that does it for me. And also, obviously, Laporte has played under Bielsa before as well uh, at Athletic Club. Um, and Akanji as well has got really good progressive numbers from from this tournament as well. Um, so a little bit of a, a player who maybe you'd be a little bit worried about in terms of his defensiveness. Um, very athletic, very um, good at getting near the ball, but sometimes makes weird decisions, but also very good at progressing the ball forward. So yeah, that, that is, for me is a, a fairly good correlate for, for Diego Urento. Okay, uh, so we've talked before many, many times about how important the central defensive midfield role is in Leeds' system. Who have you guys gone for? John, we'll start with you who have you gone for in that role yeah so I've gone for Zava Schlager the Austrian um, midfielder who plays for Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga um, 
I think that he's very, very similar in, in a lot of ways to to um, Calvin Phillips. Maybe not so much in the long ball areas, but in terms of energy, um, his pressing is great, his positioning is great, uh, and he, he just gets around the pitch and seems to be everywhere. So I think that that's probably the closest correlate I could think of in world football to Calvin Phillips at the moment. I've gone for Renato Sanchez. I think maybe not the closest I could get to, to Phillips, but I think I, I maybe went for him more because I think he's the the player in the uh, midfield pivot who's basically most impressed me <laughs> more than anything else. I just love that he, he would just come and get the ball deep all the time. He wants to receive it uh, in that first phase of build-up and then he wants to bring it forwards and he wants to try and pass it forwards. So I don't think he's got um, the the same defensive game that, that Calvin's got. Um, but in possession, in build-up, I think he was the best uh, in the tournament. And I, 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 I'm disappointed that Portugal are out because I can't watch Renato Sanchez anymore. When we set this assignment, it got me thinking a little about a bit about Sanchez. And I always thought he seemed like he would be more suited to the deeper of the two eights than he would be to the holding position. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, on the defensive side of it, I don't think he's quite there. And he's used to playing more in a in a double pivot. So I think that suits him. Um, but I think the the deeper of the two eights doesn't tend to get the ball as much in that the early phases uh, like Sanchez wants to. I mean, Click does come and show for it deep, but just not anywhere near as much as, as Calvin. So whereas I want Sanchez to get on the ball as much as possible. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, the two eights we'll deal with as a pair again. If you could uh, give us both of them and tell, say a little bit about how you think they would work together and their attacking and defensive responsibilities, etc. John? Yeah, so no surprises for me in the more defensive of the two. I've gone with Conrad Leimer, the RB Leipzig player, um, a player that I've enjoyed watching for a number of years. And I actually saw his debut live in the Emirates Cup um, down at down at the, the Arsenal Stadium. Which uh, and since then we caught my eye then, and since then I've I've kept a kept an eye out for him. But he's a a player who is remarkable in insofar as he puts up just wild pressing numbers every time. So I think he is the player in the in the tournament with the highest pressing numbers per 90. Um, he's an exciting player. He's a player who plays for Julian Nagelsmann, uh, RB Leipzig. And Julian Nagelsmann is, I'm convinced, um, a bit of a fan of Marcelo Bielsa. We saw in the Champions League stages, I think against Atletico Madrid, um, Nagelsmann played a 3-3-1-3 and Lima played as the, uh, as the 
wing back who cuts inside and helps out defensively but then pushes out into wide areas in in attacking play so I think he would have the the tactical nous to be able to play in a Bielsa system and I think he would probably just be a um, a fairly like for like replacement for for someone like Stuart Dallas in as far as Bielsa was concerned as a player who he could make those tactical tweaks with and and have and he would have no problem um picking those up so yeah Conrad Limer for me as the as the more defensive of the two um and then the other slot I've gone for, again, another Atalanta player, Ruslan Malinowski, who we have been linked with um, at various points under Bielsa. Uh, But again, we have talked at length on this podcast about how important it is to have a player who can press in in that position um, and also offer a level of creativity. So... Uh, Malinowski does both of those. He's not a player who I think of necessarily as being a, a big presser, and uh, certainly not really, really a, a strength I would put down of his. But when I looked at his pressing numbers, he was I think around twenty pressures per ninety, which is a pretty decent uh, number. So I don't think there'll be any problems with him uh, moving into the system there. And obviously, as a as a player going forward, has a has a great level of creativity, which is exactly what we need from that position as well. So yeah, those are the two players that I've gone for. What about you, Hobsey? I have gone for, in the deeper eight, I've gone for Mateo Kovacic of uh, Croatia. Uh, The reason being um, because he is just one of the most press-resistant midfielders uh, in European football. Uh, If you get him on the ball, he's just so hard to get the ball off him. Uh, I think... That was actually mega impressive that Calvin Phillips did did a job on on Kovacic because um, he he normally just never really gives the ball away. Uh, he's got energy to carry the ball through the middle, and um, when I looked on up the pressing numbers, uh, he was high up. So I, I was happy to have him in in this um, position. But I will say that my first choice was going to be Mason Mount because I think Mason Mount is the if I could pick one player to play the click role I think it would be him because he's got that incredible pressing um but he's also really really good uh, on the ball he's creative but I didn't pick him because I'm going to pick another England player later on and I didn't want to have four England players uh, in the team <laughs> so I was joking before but I was in fact entirely correct well I've got I've got 3 in the end um but the other one I've also picked uh, Malinowski uh, for the same reasons that that you've you've said, John. But yeah, I, th- I think he's uh, he's so aggressive in in what he tries uh, with the ball as well, uh, and and that's something that that I like. And I think that's why uh, that's why Bielsa still likes uh, Rodrigo, even though he doesn't uh, offer the same pressing. Uh, Rodrigo's very aggressive in what he tries with the ball, uh, and uh, and we know that Pablo was uh, as well. So I think that. That's why Malinowski would fit really well. Yeah, I remember looking at some clips of Malinowski when we were linked with him last summer and thinking that he did look like a player who would really fit in well, at least in an attacking sense, in our system. And and quite a, yeah, the sort of player who tries things that if you look at the pitch, you don't see it, um, if that makes sense, which I guess Rodrigo does that as well. And, and after he's played the pass, it seems like, oh, oh that pass was on, but you, you, you're not, you don't see it as a viewer, like that kind of vision. Right, so... The wingers, again, we'll take that as a pair. Hobsey, who have you gone for for your two wingers? Yeah, so to start with, this is my other England player. Uh, so right midfield, I found this really hard because I was trying to th- get someone as close as I could to Rafinha and I I really thought there hasn't really been somebody in the tournament that's kind of done that uh, 
apart from Yarmolenko coming in off off the le- off the right uh, and shooting with his left foot. But I thought I didn't really want Yarmolenko in, <laughs> so I've gone for uh, Bakayo Saka, uh, and the reason being because he's been picking the ball up uh, in deep positions and just driving forwards. Uh, he's really brave with the ball. Uh, he's obviously not. Uh, everything that Rafinha is. In fact, Saka is better at some things and, and worse at other things. They're, they're quite different types of players, but it was that k- picking it up deep, carrying it sort of diagonally uh, from from that position. Uh, and I think he's been super impressive. Uh, I, I liked him a lot anyway, but uh, I've loved how brave he's been stepping in. Um, and on the left, uh, rather than trying to find someone exactly like Harrison, uh, I've gone for someone who I think would fit uh, in that position that we seem to be trying to buy, uh, which is a left winger uh, who is right-footed. So I've gone for Damsgaard uh, of Denmark, who I really liked anyway before the tournament, uh, but I've been so impressed with how he's he's stepped up since he's got his chance. Uh, He's really intelligent uh, around the box. Uh, He plays lots of... Uh, little link passes and he scored a incredible goal uh, in the last group game uh, and got an assist uh, against Wales as well. What about you, John? Who have you gone for? Yeah, again, overlap here because I've also gone with Mikkel Damsgaard. But yeah, with the with the caveat that you know, stylistically, yeah, not necessarily very similar to Rafinha other than maybe aesthetically a little bit uh, in that they're both sort of quite delicate players um, to a certain extent. Maybe delicate is the wrong word here, but um, maybe rangy, rangy players is, is the better word. Um and then I've gone with, <laughs> I, I kind of hate myself a little bit for this, but I've gone with Dan James on, on, on the other side. I don't necessarily need to argue why, because Bielsa loves them so much that it must be... Must be love. Must be love. <laughs> Yogi love. <laughs> but yeah, obviously Dan James is great off the ball. Um, so I wanted to have a, a player who's good on the ball and a player who's good off the ball. And so um, Dan James will do maybe maybe the Harrison role um potentially flipped the other way around I don't know maybe that would be a huge problem uh, but you could you could play easily um, James on the on the left and Damsgaard on the right but um, I think you would lose a little bit with Damsgaard playing him from from the right insofar as it's nice to have a player to, to cut inside um, uh, but yeah I suppose then playing James on on the on the right is a, maybe a little bit more of a defensive or a, a dropped winger who can then get forward at pace, but but also will able to be able to help off the ball where, where he's needed as well. Um, but yeah, I found the I found the wide options quite hard to to pick from. Whether or not that's just a tactical thing that, as Josh said, it doesn't seem like there's a huge amount of uh, managers who are looking to get inverted wingers um doing that that sort of thing that Rafinha has done or at least not be we've not seen many wingers being able to do that um again I suppose the caveat there is that with with a handful of games you don't really have the chance to develop any sort of attacking um routines that that are going to really emphasize players getting one-on-one isolated against others and and causing problems and I think a lot of the teams in this tournament tend to want to play more defensively and then just sort of hit teams on the break so you're maybe not quite seeing the, the same sorts of things that you would see from a, a Rafinha but I think with those two um, on the ball you'd you'd be good in transitional phases as well so I think uh, they would both work fine and who John for you is going to have the unenviable task of replacing Patrick Bamford up front for Leeds 
Yeah, so I've gone for the Spanish Bamford, actually, Alvaro Morata. <laughs> nice. Just because we've been there, right, with, with Bamford. We've been there with everyone's doubting him because he doesn't get quite as many goals as you might expect him to. Um, but Morata, I mean, Morata's had a remarkable tournament in in the, the most recent game. He he, he was an incredible um foil for for the spanish up front does the sorts of things that that we expect of bamford um makes himself uh, an important hold up player is also good off the ball and uh, you know has has a does have a brilliant finish on him uh, in certain scenarios so i thought the 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 alvaro morata pat bamford um axis was was written in the stars so i've gone for him what about you Hobsey? Uh, i've i've gone for patrick schick um from from czech republic uh I think he's he's got that about him the the pressing side of it. Uh, I think he he would do that. He's got the intensity to his game. Uh, he's I think he's sort of similar physical profile uh to Bamford uh and uh yeah, I think he'd score score a good number of goals. Okay guys, so if you could each read your team out in full just so the listeners can get uh, a reminder um, I would read them out myself but I'm worried that I'll butcher the pronunciation <laughs> so uh, John if you could read your team out in full yeah so I've got Unai Simon in goal I've then got um, Robin Goosens on the left at left back uh, Joachim Mela at right back I'm Rick Laporte and Manuel Akanji at centre back Zava Schlager as the the defensive pivot uh, I've then got um, Damsgaard on the right James on the left depending on how you order them. Limo is the more defensive eight. Um, Ruslan Malinovsky is the more attacking eight. And then Alvaro Morata up front. And you, Josh? I've got Pickford in goal. Then uh, Mailer right back. John Stones and Stefan De Vrij as my centre-backs. Andy Robertson left back. Uh, defensive midfield is Renato Sanchez. And then Kovacic and Malinovsky uh, as the eights. Saka right mid, Damsgaard left mid, and Patrick Schick up front. Okay, John. So, having seen Josh's team, uh, is there anything that's given you pause for thought? Any any players that you'd consider bringing into your team, having heard Josh's reasoning? Yeah, I mean, obviously, given that we had a fair amount of overlap, um, I think we we would like, for example, John Stones is a player that I think is is a good shout. I like the Andy Robertson shout actually, and should probably have gone for that had I thought about this a little bit more um but I yeah in terms of in terms of yeah Dan James is is pretty dull isn't he <laughs> let's be honest so I anyone other than Dan James I would consider as a as a good replacement <laughs> just wait till we sign him mate oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and the same question to you Josh is there anyone in John's team that that makes you think um I should have maybe gone for him instead yeah well I um I thought about uh Gosen's uh, but I always I was think I knew I wanted Malinovsky and I was having Mailer in, and at one point I was thinking this is going to be an England and Atalanta team, <laughs> so so I I decided not not to put Gosens in. Uh, I think the Morata shout is is very good, although I wonder I didn't actually check, but what's his pressing numbers like? Is he is he any good at that or? I felt like that was important with Schick. Although having said that, I have just checked Schick's pressing numbers and they're not that impressive. Uh, well, uh, yeah, you probably wouldn't find that Bamford's were particularly impressive before we signed him, right? Yeah, well, yes, definitely true. So, Morata has 15 presses per 90 and I think Schick was, let me just check, which is very good. That puts him high up. Schick is down at 10.5, so... Uh, well, he seems... I've beaten you there, mate. You have, you have. <laughs> the, but I, I more went with the eye test and yeah, I yeah. think the eye test is 
slightly fooled me, but perhaps it's also uh, just showing how much someone could press in a more pressy team. And I think, who were your midfielders again? You had Schlager, Lima and Malinowski. Yeah, I mean, I thought about I thought about uh, having Lima, but I knew you were going to because you'd spoken about him <laughs> a lot during the tournament. So I decided to do something different. So it's a back to spec savers for Josh and a regrettable Welsh dalliance for John. <laughs> and uh, we'll move on to the next section. So we thought this would be a nice little question to end the podcast. Out of the teams that have competed in this year's Euros, uh, who do we think Bielsa would have the biggest impact on were he to become their manager? Who could he raise the level of the most? Uh, we'll start with you, Josh. I would love to see what he would do with the England team. So I think, look, like with all of those attacking players, he would just, I think he would get so much out, out of that team. Uh, and uh, yeah, I don't think it would be serving up stodgeball uh, for for every game. But uh, I mean, also you've got to say France, like I think he would absolutely kill it with France. But then I think any sort of competent manager <laughs> should be killing it with the France team. Didier Deschamps has won the World Cup with them. So if Didier Deschamps can do it, imagine what a good manager could do, I suppose is the, the logic there. I thought of <laughs> England as well on this one, actually, especially because it feels as though England have been playing quite a man-marking approach in a lot of their games. I mean, yesterday it was 3-4-3 on 3-4-3. Um, so that would be... that would uh, Well, I mean, obviously Bielsa wouldn't match up 3-4-3 on 3-4-3, but... It wouldn't beat a team playing 3-4-3 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's true. And there were there were elements of England in the first half where they looked like Leeds trying to play against Brighton. Um, but I, I think I agree with Josh on in that respect. And obviously with, with Calvin and, and Rice in midfield, you've got two players who are both going to be very good pressers. But I think the, the team that initially sprung to my mind and this one was Austria for the same reason because Austria have just like a really fun team of pressers um, obviously that Austria team is largely Bundesliga players uh, and obviously the Bundesliga has has had that history of, of playing a sort of Gagan pressing approach um, obviously two of the midfielders that I picked were um, from the Bundesliga, so Lyman's at RB Leipzig and Schlager's at uh, Wolfsburg, um, and I think that you would he would get a huge amount out of them um, as as a as a unit. I think they're quite a fun. They're almost like the the Leeds United of of the the Euros, really. This this tournament because their their pressing was so fun. So I, I think I would initially, well, my my initial instincts were to go for Austria there. Yeah, I'm not sure what the Austria media the Austrian media is like, but I'm not sure that. Uh, Bielsa would take well to the treatment he was given by the English media if he had the <laughs> England job. Oh yeah, that would be something special, wouldn't it? <laughs> Euros burnout, here we come. Well, could you just imagine he's he's got a translator for all the press conferences and stuff? Like the sun would have an absolute field. Day. Imagine if he came out with perfect fluent German, though. That would be that would be quite something. <laughs> Right, that's the end of this episode of All Stats, aren't we? Thanks for listening. Thanks for bearing with me as I slog through my uh, presentorial debut. If you want to listen to more of this, uh, there's all sorts of things going on on our Patreon. Just search for All Stats, aren't we, Patreon? And uh, we've got lots of things up there. Various episodes of Auto's List, including a 40-minute listen conversation between John and Josh about uh, Junior Firpo, who looks fairly certain, fingers crossed, to be joining from Barcelona soon. And there's always all sorts of other stuff going on there, interviews with interesting people in football, stuff that may or may not apply to Leeds, but are just interesting football things in general. So give that a look if it seems like the kind of thing that might interest you. And 
all that's left for me to say is goodbye john goodbye <laughs> and thanks josh cheers mate <laughs> i'm not sure why i said goodbye instead of thanks <laughs> <laughs> deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.